let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Hello and welcome back to TNB Thursday Night Babble. The original gangsters are here. Myself, Peepo and Cousin Mud. Hello, Cousin Mud. The OGs are back. The, the OGs are back. Back I, to I, destroy. I, <laughs> folks, you might have already heard a bit of this podcast already because we had a little nice little catch up there before I, we started recording and um, I might leave it in. So... If you do, then I hope you enjoyed that bit. And now we're going to get on with the actual part of the football part of the show. Yes, Jonathan, a lot has happened since you've last been on. Um, obviously, Ollie's gone. Sad. Um, which is sad. Uh, look, we have to briefly touch on events at Anfield on Saturday evening, sir. It'd be remiss of me not to. Yeah, that's um, fair. Ralph Rangnick is coming in. Big Ralpho coming in. Looks he, like uh, at Manchester United. Um, yeah, who the fuck is he, <laughs> Pooch, Pochettino, uh, once again, flirted with Manchester United and then didn't get it. I mean, <laughs> uh, got him. Uh, loads of things have happened. So, And also, like, today as well, Jonathan, is like an anniversary of of great footballers and things happening in the world of football. George Best, um, Diego Maradona's death, obviously a year to the day, the great one, the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Um, and then... Possibly for you, Jonathan, and one we're going to touch on now, maybe the greatest anniversary of them all, Arsenal's mauling of Inter Milan in the Champions League at the San Siro. Yeah, I, I remember watching the game, it was fucking crazy, crazy. Um, first English side to be at Inter Milan at the San Siro, and me and you were texting about it earlier, you know, you said about Henri, he was on fire that night, and he was, I mean, I can't remember, I think it was the third goal where he ran away from who was it, Sambrata or someone? I can't remember who it was, but just his pace to take it onto the left boot and just hammer it into the bottom corner. It was, it was some night. And they have to remember, Arsenal were missing Patrick Vieira that night. You know, it was, I think it was Edu and Ray Parler. Ray Parler did, because Ray Parler actually tells the story how he captained Arsenal at the San Siro. So Ray Parler started in, in center mid that night. And you have to remember, Arsenal missing Vieira and Gilberto for that game. Two two starting midfielders like it was just it was unbelievable unbelievable um arsenal actually sent out following season like if you bought the new home kit they sent out the dvd of the full game um being a wee bit spursy there like but i mean <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah i mean that that was a great great match and a great win like um but yeah that's the only time they sent out dvds i mean we're not that sad <laughs> the um, the uh in the week that I think has Invincible been released now that we can all see it? Invincible is out. You can watch it on Prime or, or by the DVD or Blu-ray. I haven't got a chance to watch it myself. Um, Obviously, we've moved home over the last couple of weeks and a few other things have happened, so that's why I haven't been on the pod, in case anybody has wondered. Um, So once You've I get missed. my internet in, 
yeah, well, you know, I've I've listened every week um, to see what I need to murder you all for. But you've actually been <laughs> you've actually been quite well behaved, to be quite honest. It's part from Steve. I mean, Steve Donna, Stephen Gerrard, and slept in the shower, like you know. I don't think maybe our listeners don't know that yet because that actually happened after you've recorded Monday's pod. And, yeah. Um, Steve, I hope I hope you recover morning. quite quickly. But I mean, yeah, it's kind, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like he slept in the shower, the silly old bastard, you know. I know. I think we need to get him one of those mobility type showers. You know that my nanny's to have one in the fold. We'll maybe get one of those fitted for him in the house. I mean, he's got we can't have poor, poor Amy and, uh, looking after like, him all the time. Do you know what I mean? We you know, she, she has things to be at. So I, I think we'll maybe get him a wee thing. And he is getting. He has a walking stick, which Brenton is going to Photoshop and edit. And you'll see that later, folks, up on our socials. Um, I think that Steve. should be that should be him on the cover for the pod now. I really do think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it was obviously Invincible's out on Prime. Um, I'm gonna hopefully get watching it. Might watch it tonight after this. We're recording this at eight o'clock. This should be finished by nine, so I might watch it. Um, but just on Arson, and obviously today as well, Arteta on the BBC website was. He was thinking he's been interviewed and he said like he's, he wants to bring Arsenal Wenger back to the club. He wants him to get involved again, which, you know, mm-hmm. mightn't be the worst thing. And, and Arteta, like, is, you know, you can see parts of what Arteta's trying to do and his coaching is, is like, mimicking parts of what Wenger brought in. But obviously that, that film, right, a lot of stuff, the anniversary of that 5-1 win at San Siro, that 5-1 win, was that maybe Arsenal, Arsenal Wenger's best European performance? It's probably up there. Um, I mean, you have to look at the fact that the year Arsenal got to the Champions League final, I mean, they beat Juventus and Real Madrid on the way to that final. Um, probably the best European nights, which is sad to kind of reflect on, but the best European night was definitely the semi-final win at Villarreal. The fact that um, we conceded the penalty very late on and Jens Lehmann saved it and we got through to our first Champions League final. Um Definitely, probably the highlights. Well, for me, anyway, in terms of European nights, it's been unfortunate. Europe hasn't been very kind to Arsenal. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the in terms of just performance, the Inter Milan game was was special. Um, Arsenal had a game there a couple of years later against SC Milan, and was another great game, another great win, two 0 win. I think they were the first team to beat SC Milan as well at the San Siro. So it's it's been a stadium in recent times anyway that's been quite kind to Arsenal um, even the last time we played there you know we won as well so I mean you look back at that team and look back at that performance it was just it was unbelievable and Christian Vieri equalised for um, Inter that night and I just thought oh, for frig's sake here we go like, you know Inter Milan Burley were in the game and Arsenal just went on and done what they had done like you know friggin' hack just there was some performance it was a great game great players on that pitch from both sides like for Arsenal to beat Inter Milan team just swiped them aside the way they did. You know, you can only dream of Arsenal going to Europe and doing something like that these days. But it's definitely up there, definitely up there, probably the top bay for Wenger in terms of European matches. Like, but I don't know. Did you even did you ever watch that match or do you even remember? Oh god, I yeah. yeah. I remember watching that match and, and even today on the anniversary, I've, I've I remember Clive Tisley was doing commentary as well. So, and then obviously hear him yeah. on the video today that Arsenal put out. But I, I just remember I don't know if I watched it with my dad or we talked about it 
afterwards. I probably did watch it with them. Um, because we should just always watch the Champions League, like, and then went through a stage where like RTE or or I think it was was it Network Two at the time, wasn't it? it used to be Network Two, would have had um, like both nights there would have been games on, and I remember. But anyway, I remember watching Arsenal performance in San Siro and just being in awe of Thierry Henry. That's yeah. one of my favorite Henry goals because he's going nowhere out there, and then he skips past and he's just like bang, fires it back across the goal, and that's it buried do you know what i mean it's you can even watch it back today you can see where Henri the defender tries to stand him up and Henri's like uh or tries to hold him off and Henri stands him up and Henri you can you can see watching Henri's just like nah i'm winning this game this game i'm putting this game out of sight yeah it's so it's actually the way Henri does that how he just stops you know has the ball or then he just drives past him and scores you know, if, if you even try and do that yourself playing football, I mean, like I've tried to do this numerous times playing football, even five as eight, just like kind of slow down, then go again and score. It's just, it's, you really need to be so skillful and technically, you know, on top of your game. And people may say like, that's an all right goal, like, but I mean, like if you try and replicate that yourself, you'll see how difficult it actually is, especially to keep it that low, that hard along the ground into the far corner. I mean, great, great goal, great player. He's my, he's my favorite Arsenal player of all time. I don't think anybody will ever top him. I think he had two assists that night as well, didn't he? Yeah, but that wasn't my favourite on assist. What was your favourite? The one against Ireland in the World Cup qualifier. <laughs> Boom, Steve. Take a bit of that, you broken leg. Brigger. <laughs> the, the one with the hand? Uh, you the dirty, hand. dirty bastard. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like... And there's a ball as well in that. I think it's for, is it Edu's goal? And Lumberg dummies. I never realised Lumberg actually dummies the ball. And he sells the goalkeeper an absolute turkey. Like, and he dummies the ball. And then I think it's, is it Ed, it's Edu or Piri? I think it's Edu. Comes strolling in at the back. And then slots at home. And, and every goal actually is is just very Arsenal and their finger. Mm-hmm. You know, every goal is just sort of, like caressed or there's a there's a, a flair to it and like even like on Wenger like he was on Reddy's house this week with Ian Wright and and Musa and Ryan from Stadio and obviously they had him on and, and it, it's a lovely podcast and they're talking about it beforehand and talking about him leaving and all and how Ian felt and and different things and then I think the fir- one of the first games that Arsenal was coach Arsenal were getting beat 1-0. I think it was Southampton. He said they were getting beat by 1-0. And they come in at half-time. And, and they're used to getting read the riot act by like George Graham and whoever else beforehand. So, pardon me, they're all waiting on it. Waiting on, you know, stuff flying and getting bollock in the changing rooms. And Arsenal just comes in and he's just like, waits 5-10 minutes. And then he comes in when the ring's calmed down. He's all like, keep playing the way you're playing. And it goes in right, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're causing them nothing but trouble. You know, you're better. You're you're a brilliant footballer. You're here for a reason. Completely different mindset to what they're used to, and just something clicks. And then they go on and win the game four one. I think it was in the end. Mm-hmm. But it's just the way, like, and I think as well with Wenger, a lot of people will throw at him and he'd narrow in the Champions League. But and people even listen to this will might will disagree with me. I really don't think that matters because of what what he did and the, the effect he had on football like mm-hmm. the, like people will look at it and 
and they'll, they'll look at like Ralph Rangnick obviously is in at United now and we'll talk about him in, 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 a, in a minute or two and he's seen as the godfather of gegenpressing and what he's done which is brilliant and he is brilliant at it and Tuchel, Klopp, Nagelsmann and Hasenhutl to name four are all like disciples of him and that have come down through but Ralph Rangnick's never won a Champions League he's never really dominated he's never been like a superpower you know manager but he has set the tone for other managers and he has had such an influence and, and Wenger's had such an influence like that that Arsenal side that Arsenal side of Wenger's that arguably were the best team in Europe for two or three years yeah, um, under were, as well, were better in my opinion than Pep's Barcelona side but Pep Bar- Pep's Barcelona side Pep's Barcelona side had obviously the Messi and Xavi and Iniesta and players, which were amazing, amazing, amazing side. But that Arsenal side were before them, and and I think they set the tone. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I'd have them above. I'd, like in my, in my opinion, and I know they didn't win anywhere near as much, so people will throw that at me and whatever. But I don't care about that. So it's my own opinion. You won't change it. That Arsenal side were just so good, and if they wanted to as well, they could mix it up with power and fight. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They could get stuck in. They, they, they no, they no mate, no qualms about that. And some part times they were dirty brutes, but we like that too. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think, uh I think as well the film has gone down well. I think the book for a lot of people maybe wasn't great, but mm-hmm. I think the the film has gone down really well. So I'm hoping to catch it very soon because yeah. I do. What do you make of Arteta's comments that potentially bring an Austin back in? I don't know. <laughs> You see, obviously, I'm conflicted in my own mind because I don't know whether it would be the best thing for the club or not. You know, like, if you look at what Arteta what has been doing this season when he's got in basically players that he wants, and um, I know, I don't know who put the post out on Sunday, whether it was you or, or Brenton, but you said about um, Liverpool gave Arsenal a bit of a reality check. Um, maybe in, in the views of other supporters, that's, that's probably true um, because... Arsenal have been on a high and the supporters have been and it's been a bit of a you know it's been a good ride the last 10 games before the Liverpool game obviously you know the fans have been behind the team the team have been playing well, Aubameyang's been scoring goals and there seems to be a good buzz around the entire club and I don't necessarily think we as fans of, of the club kind of feel that we're you know anywhere near the top four or whatever those teams like but we're just enjoying watching this team again um, and I think that's because Arteta has instilled you know a togetherness within this team at the moment and we're enjoying it and I think we should probably just keep it going the way it is and I don't know what benefit at the moment it will be to bring Arjen Wenger in um, obviously he's hugely respected but when I think of Wenger coming back to Arsenal I think of Fergie at United, watching down in the stands, you know, do do those managers at United feel pressure because Fergie's there watching? Like I, I know there's been comments about Fer, like Solskjaer would have rang, you know, Sir Alex when things were going bad, asking for advice. You know, you wouldn't really want the same sort of thing happening at Arsenal where Arteta's having to ring Wenger every time he gets beat. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of conflicted. I can see the benefits of of Wenger, but I can also see the negatives of it as well. But in terms of the game on Saturday, obviously I didn't get to see it. 
and I've only got to see bits and pieces of it. Like there's only certain bits of highlights I've seen. I've seen all the goals. Um, I've seen a few of the chances Arsenal had. And from what I've been told, you know, Arsenal put up a good bit of a fight for, you know, up to about 40 minutes and Liverpool ended up getting the first goal. I've heard different things about Mane and you can confirm this sort of stuff, but Mane probably got a bit lucky on Saturday. There are a few tackles he got away with. I've seen the one that um, Arteta and Klopp, well, Arteta got all railed up about. I don't I don't think that was that was necessarily the worst tackle in the world I've ever seen. Like, I mean, he went for the ball. and I think the tackle that Mane put in last year on, I think it was last year, the year before, on Tierney, was worse. Um, but you can tell me, you've seen the game, I didn't see it all. I don't know what happened. Now, I've seen Sadio Mane run away like an absolute demon from our defence for two or three of the goals, so he, he obviously had a good night. Did Was Mane lucky to get away with maybe a second booking or, or whatever? Like, no, sure. I, I, I think... He definitely deserved one yellow card. I don't think he would have deserved a second one. I think Mane plays in the age and he is physical. And we've seen teams, most notably Atletico Madrid, target that and try and wind him up. And there was parts of that at times then afterwards for a little bit Arsenal, which is, you know, I have no issues with if for Liverpool doing this example. You know, you're there to win a game of football. Like, this is not kids' football. This is, you know, Senior football, professional football, you're there to win uh, points, win games, win leagues, win trophies. So, yeah, th- there is all. I And you know what I'm like? I'm a wee gobshite. I love that element. And, and Lego uh, Yeah, I heard. I, I, I heard I, not, not just that. I, I love, like, you know, Salah dives at Old Trafford and wins us a penalty and we win the game. Like, I'll be yeah, yeah. out for weeks. Do you know what I mean? I love all. I, 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 I am one of those. But no, I don't think he would have deserved to be sent off. But I think as well, like there was one challenge certainly afterwards that he got his yellow card for, where the ball was gone out over the line and he just decided to empty. Um, I think it was, it wasn't Tavares. Uh, I think it was uh, one of the midfielders. Right. Uh, I think it was Emil oh, Smith Rowe. Okay. okay. I think it was Emil Smith Rowe, and there was no need for that tackle, but that that was Manny. But yeah, Lego Lego head who I think. Has shown aspects of being a really good coach, and I I do think for Arsenal there still were some really good aspects for forty minutes where they looked so solid and they looked really really hard to break down, really compact, looked like they were gonna stifle Liverpool. Liverpool were trying to figure them out and couldn't really figure out, you know, couldn't get down passing the lines. Arsenal was just so tight, and then for whatever reason, Arteta absolutely exploded. And as I said on on Monday, as soon as he did that. Anfield, the roof almost came off Anfield, and that was it. Then Liverpool just went up through the gears, and once they got the second goal from Jada, um, that you just I think Arteta then brought on two, he brought on Maitland Niles, and I think he brought on another defender possibly. That was it. Then you just yeah. sort of felt that Arsenal were like, right, well, we're not going to get anything out of this game, so let's just. I don't. I don't uh, necessarily mind the fact that Arteta did, you know, explode. I mean, no, me neither. It's, I mean, it helped Liverpool, obviously. Obviously, like you said, I remember you saying on the Monday Night Pod that your mate was there and Anfield just the roof came off. Like, but mm-hmm. um, I'm glad to see our manager actually wants to put up a bit of a fight and cares instead of just sitting back and not sticking off for his players. Um, and you know that that'll be a game that that Arsenal team will learn from. You know, Smith Rowe Saka got a lot of grief after that game, which is baffling. Like I was texting Jake on Saturday evening and he was describing what was going on in the match for me. 
and obviously he's frustrated and obviously in the time you know he probably said what he said not probably mean it like he told me that he thought Smith Rowe was shite which he isn't shite you know he's not I mean he's had a great season so far he's a young player same as Saka and they'll learn from these experiences like and I wasn't I wasn't I know it's kind of strange to say I wasn't annoyed that we got beat 4-0 um, I was hopeful that maybe we put a bit of a fight you know that we maybe start to draw or you know if we got beat 2 or 3-1 you know you couldn't really be that annoyed about it but you know, on reflection, we've been very good the last couple of weeks prior to that game. There's been a good buzz. The players, just like Aaron Ramsdale and you, like I texted you after the game, asking how it went and whatever, and you said Ramsdale was amazing. Um, and probably not for him, it probably would have been worse. And Ramsdale's been great. And like I can hold my hands up and say at the start when he came in, like I wasn't happy, but he's proved me wrong and he's proved everybody wrong. He's been fantastic. He really has. The, the defence has been quite solid as well. Tavares got a lot of abuse, but you know what? when I look back at that goal, yes, he did make a mistake. He gave it to Jada, but you know, Ben White dived in instead of standing his ground and mm-hmm. there was mistakes following that, which probably you know, probably could have prevented that goal as well. But look, it is what it is. Those players will learn. Tavares has been fantastic for Arsenal since Tierney went out injured. Like so it's just one of those games. Like, you know, most teams are gonna to go to Anfield this year and get battered. I'd be surprised, you know, if anyone really goes downfield this year and gets any points, it's it's a tough place to go at the minute. Liverpool, even with injuries, like I think I said tax is on Friday and said like Liverpool have this on their injury list and look who they have available. It's crazy. But I mean, like, you know, we'll we'll learn from it and hopefully they'll bounce back against Newcastle this weekend. Like that's that's how a good team kind of responds after the defeat, like so yeah. Well we'll see how it goes. Like I'm I'm happy, I'm enjoying watching Arsenal again. So if we lose the all game, whatever, like, you know, the expectations, I think, sometimes, and I think maybe since Arsenal's invincible team and the Chelsea team the season after that, you know, teams are going to lose games. We we can't expect to win every single game or, you know, not lose a game. It's it's going to happen. You're going to lose eventually. Like, like have Liverpool lost a game this year? Yeah. Uh, West Ham. Oh, I that was only the week before. There you go. Like Liverpool got beat by West Ham for the international break. Come back against Arsenal, who, like, let's be honest, people probably would have thought it'd been a tricky enough game and ended up winning four 0 So they're back in the title race, no bother. It'll it'll be a good it'll be a good race this year. There's three teams there that's are real top quality. And you chatted about Chelsea on Monday, and I kind of thought Chelsea really this year have two teams, in my opinion. Like their their team is that strong. I mean, they haven't had Werner really starting or Lukaku's been injured. And it's, would you know? Like, really, would you? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, nope. it's crazy. Um, I'm not really looking forward to playing them again, but I don't think it's till the new year. But yeah, we'll, we'll get over it. What? Um... Uh, no, I, I I agree with you. Like, I think I think. Uh, well, let's we'll talk with Chelsea point in a minute, but I think just on Arsenal, I think. Um. That I would I would be like you. I same sort of way. I'd look at that and go. All right, we're beat by Liverpool, who you know are going to be challenging for the league. We know we're just not there just yet, but we've been on an eight-game uh, winning streak before that. You know, let's just reset and go again. And 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 I think they can do that. This Arsenal team, and and they'll bounce back with a win. I think at the weekend against Newcastle. And as uh, on Chelsea, yeah, they looked 
I was like I'd said on Monday night how so far in the Champions League they just haven't really clicked yet and I haven't you know there's been times they've looked a bit off and maybe it is just like you know they're a league winning like well inside which is mad the thing to say uh, this season but they looked unreal against Juventus on Tuesday night they were so so impressive Reese James is every time I see him well first of all every time I see him he seems to put on more muscle and every time I see him, he just seems to get better and better. And he he's such a brilliant, brilliant fullback, such a brilliant player. Like, he's so much power in that boot. Like, Chesney did not fancy trying to see that shot uh, no. when he came running onto it. And, and nor, be, nor should he, because it could have killed him. Um, yeah, so they look really impressive. I think it is going to be a great title race. I think um, it's going to be really exciting. And if it was a neutral, I'd be buzzing for it. Like, it's just when you're stuck in the middle of it, you're just watching every other game, hoping that when the other two slip up, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, before we move on, Jonathan, talk about Ralph Ranick. Do you know the Spurs? He's rebeat in the last minute tonight. <laughs> I do, yeah. Yeah, by <laughs> that, their, their their first ever points in Europe since they formed. <laughs> Where are Mira from? Are they Slovakia, Slovenia? One of one of those countries. Uh, and so now Spurs find themselves having to. Win their last game, or they're out of the conference league. Yeah, um, at the group stages, and it's at uh, home against Rennes. That'll be tough. I mean, yep, it will be tough. I don't know what type of team Spurs put out tonight. I didn't see the team they started with, but no, I mean, I'll tell you right now. Like obviously, Conte came in there, like just before, like probably after the last pod that I done anyway. Um. And Jamie O'Hara said Spurs were back at the time. And obviously, we I meant to have a discussion with you on TMB about it, but, I mean, don't you need to have actually been somewhere to come back? Because I don't know really where Spurs are back to, if you get what I mean. Like, you know, they're mm-hmm. not, they haven't done anything. They haven't won anything. Like, and it, it, like... From Conte has won is it one game so far? Like I know he hasn't played that he hasn't managed them for that many games, but I don't see massive improvements. I mean, he, his team got beat there the night by a team that's never got a single point in Europe before. I, I think Conte is probably you know what, there's probably a lot of regret on both sides from Conte and Man United for the fact that Conte didn't wait and Man United didn't get rid of Solskjaer quicker. For him to take that job, because no doubt he would have been probably the one, you know, top or second pick for the Man United job. There's no doubt. And now he's stuck at Spurs. I wonder can he get himself out of that contract? <laughs> it's um, it's a bit of a mad situation. I think it's weird that he's even still manager of Spurs. To be honest, you know that. You know when I see him, like in the dugout for Spurs, it's it's strange to see, especially like, you know, the fact that he was Chelsea manager. It just seems like Spurs are now. A couple of years behind Chelsea in terms of managers, you know. But... He's done a pre- he's done his press conference, and he says after three weeks, um, I'm starting to understand the situation. It is not simple at this moment. The level at Tottenham is not so high. Oh boy, uh, yeah, I think he's starting to realise. Mm. Well, they're meant to have one of the best strikers in the world. Of that club, and you know, Son as well, it's meant to be one of the best. 
I suppose you could say he's a forward and tagging forward. You know, he probably isn't a midfielder, but he's not a striker. So, you know, Son is up there, definitely probably one of the better players in the world. And yeah, it's it's, it's weird. It's weird. Like if you look where Harry Kane was last year in terms of goals and assists, and on him this year, even though Conte is there, I still don't I think he's only scored either. one in the league, hasn't he, or something? Has yeah, one in the league? and we're in, we're basically basically in December now. You know, like this is the yeah, last. He, sc- he scored in in the Conference League. Don't you know? He scored against Albania and San Marino. Uh-huh. Well, in, but um, yeah, it, it's such a keen, such a weird one, and I wonder now, Spurs at the point where instead of them wanting to leave, where they might look at it in January or the summer and go, you know what, we actually need him to leave now for his money the money we can get for him to then build and properly build a squad here, which I know is mad because Harry Kane is an amazing, he is, he is, he'll go to Man City, say, and he'll be surrounded by good players that give him nothing but assists because they love nothing but assists in Man City. Like, you imagine if he was at Liverpool and he had Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold or Chelsea with Chilwell and, I know, Chilwell's injured, God love him, and hopefully he comes back soon enough. But you have Chilwell and Reese James supplying with those. Well, they do for England, but anyway, do you know what I mean? Week in, week out, you would, you'd have a serious proposition on your hands there. Because mm. he is a good player, but I don't know what's going on. Spurs are such a, a basket case. They really are. You don't know what way Spurs are going to go this year. I mean, Conte could be gone by January and they could be relegated. You really I... don't know what way they're going to go, like. I just think they're back to normal, to be quite honest. <laughs> they, they were on a high there for a couple of years under Poch and whatever and got the Champions League final. And that was the peak of their success, <laughs> if they want to call it success. They will call it success because that's their small club mentality. But like that is the height for them. And now they're just back down to being Tottenham again. Do you know what I mean? They can, they can build a billion pound stadium. And, you know, like you say, you can't polish turd. You know, like they're, they're just... Dort, and they always will be Dort. I don't give a fuck. No one's going to come in and improve that club, no matter who manages them. They had Mourinho in, who's proven he can win trophies no matter where he goes. And of course, the week before Mourinho was meant to play in a final, he gets the sack. He'd won nothing with Tottenham. They've got Conte in now, and I don't think Conte will win anything with them. I think you're right. Conte will probably be gone and by the summer or whatever, and they'll bring in the next fucking agent who wants to give it a go. But I'm telling you, it's just, it's an easy payday to go to Tottenham because if you get that goal, you're going to get paid a couple of million and you're guaranteed a couple of million. Quite a lot of million. Mm. It's just just Tottenham, like, you know. Um, Also in European action this week, did you see Thiago's goal? I did see Thiago's goal. Um, Oh my God, sir. Today, while I was bored and work and doing nothing. That is a lie. To any of my bosses, I was working very hard. Very hard. Um, yes, I did. I did say it's good. It was a good strike. It's good strike. Um, very like Stevie G esque. I kind of thought, you know, the way very very pleasing on the eye, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, I've scored many a goal like it myself. Oh, um, I don't doubt it, sir. Yes. So I, um, I I'm gonna over egg the Thiago stuff to no end because. Well, no, even, I know. I love him the bits, and also. There, even tonight, a podcast that I won't name that I was listening to on the way home. There was a podcast guest who was still adamant that Liverpool would be better off moving him on 
and that moving him on to Barcelona is the best outcome for everyone because this person is adamant that Thiago is failing and God love them, they get paid to write in football but obviously don't watch it and God, God. love them for that. But for, also, fair play to them because they're getting paid and you don't know what they're right. watching. Graham's doing, is doing a podcast now? Uh, because, like, <laughs> anyone that... I think, I've said this before, because he came from Bayern with such a high mark because he'd done so well that people are just expecting him then to... Because all we talked about was how good people he was at Thiago, or, or Bayern Munich, and everyone just thought, oh, they're getting this absolute generational midfielder that's going to just completely change the game of football. And that's not even what he was doing at Bayern Munich. What he was doing was just keeping the ball, passing the ball. He was so clever with it. He was the pass before even the assist type thing. And, and he's doing all that at Liverpool, but people are just, they don't want to say it. They're, they're just too afraid to say it now because they want to stay and keep their opinion that, no, he's not going to work. And every time I've watched him lately at Liverpool, he's done something or he's doing something in the game. We're just thinking this is just this is a joy to watch. Like even against Arsenal, some of his passes were superb. Some of his movement was brilliant. Last night against Porto, we were already through. It was a weird game. I was expecting more from Porto, and they didn't really do it. And he just started to tick away in the slippers and move the ball about. And I don't know. I, I hope he. This is the start now for Thiago, where he does get a really good run of games. No injuries, no COVID, hopefully. And himself and Fabinho can start to grow into that Liverpool side and that midfield because our two best midfield performances this year at Liverpool have been away to Leeds and at home to Arsenal, where our midfield has looked superb at times. And Thiago and Fabinho have been at the base of both midfields. So I hope it maintains. But yeah... I, Another another win Liverpool five out of five in the Champions League, which is why like we're not used to that as Liverpool fans. We always seem to find some way to try and fuck the group up and then have to come through in the last day. Um, Better in the group you're in. Been, I mean, yeah, the group unbelievable. No, no English team has won all six group games. And no the fact team that, like, that Porto are second in your group as well, you know. Oh, yeah, some achievement for them, even if they do get pipped. To the I hope they do part. go through. I I hope yeah. they beat Atletico Madrid in two weeks and go through. Yeah, I'd really well. I'd, I'd love anyone who has me in Secret Santa, by the way, in the Hagen household. I would also love a Porto top. Thank you. Um, but yeah, another good week. Another, and, and I know obviously he's, he's an ex Arsenal boy, but I love the Ox and seeing Oxley Chamberlain get run against Liverpool midfield and be a key part of Liverpool makes me very happy because he's been so unlucky with injuries. And then when he wasn't injured, he wasn't leading into the team because we were absolutely smashing everyone. And the midfield was, well, I had Gini Wijnaldum and Henderson and Fabinho were flying. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he gets a run of games. But another big moment in potential European football is the fact that Manchester United look to have agreed a deal to bring Ralph Ranić in mm-hmm. as interim manager for six months and then possibly moving on to a director of football role. Which, Johnny, now, I don't want to put the scud on it. I do want to put the scud on it. Um, looks like they've actually made a smart move. Don't know, to be honest. Um, Which, I mean, his yeah. first game in charge will be against against us. Aye. So. And you did call him in the group chat, that don't be a bastard, so I'm sure that will backfire on you. Well, like, you know, the, you were calling him DOF, so, like, Dobie old fucker was there. So, like, <laughs> so, like you know, uh, give Steve a giggle, you know? <laughs> it did. 
I actually think this is a, a very, and it's not like the, uh, a clever move by Manchester United. I think because what I think is he'll come in and, and he'll get in place, hopefully for them, a structure and um, possibly uh, start to um, 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 implement a my story came back there for some reason. That was weird. Implement uh, um, playing style. He's he's known as the godfather of Gagan Preston. I've said this at the top of the show. He's known as the godfather of Gagan Preston. Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, um, Rilian Nagelsmann, Ralph Hasenhüttl, all sort of disciples of his, all studied what he did and blah, blah. Now, he has never himself dominated football or won massive amount of major honours. Don't get me wrong, but this these six months and then him moving on, I think it'd be such a brilliant move by Manchester United because if he's able to come in and implement something, and then in my opinion, this is what I would do if I was them, they're able to persuade Eric Ten Hag, then they could be really on to something special. Potentially, like I mean, I don't think they have the players to do that, the to play that style of football, like um. I don't know. I don't even know if this is true. Like this could just be someone putting this over the top of what Van de Vaart said tonight. Have you seen? Apparently, Van de Vaart said <laughs> Harry Maguire shit on yeah, TV. I have. Yeah. I don't even. Who knows whether that's true or not? Whether someone's just, you know, worded over that. But um, like I don't think Harry Maguire and players like that are suited to that. Um, you could probably it could be a couple of years before you see, you know, that style implemented really in that team. But this is what I said on Monday night. They need if they if it is Ten Hag and it is Ralph Ranick as director of football, he he needs to be Ten Hag needs to be given two years before you see something come through. Obviously, Ranick will be there for two and a half years then, so you'd like to think stuff would be implemented, and that's where I think like if I was a United fan, I know it would be obviously tough for them. And it's easy for me to say it now because I've just gone through um, six odd years of club and we've been waiting for this. Where we maintaining this level, but you have to give it time and you have to give it patience because if you don't, then you know you like what do they want? Do they want someone to come in like say Conte, win them a league one year and then bounce and then they're literally back to square one? No, you want someone to come in. You want. Your Austin Wenger's, your Alex Ferguson's to come in, take over the club and be there for a sustainable period of time. I want Klopp to do 10 years and then when he moves on, the club's in such a good state that we break the mould where the long-standing manager moves and you're not. Goose, you know, it goes back to, I'm being greedy here, but it goes back to when Shankney moved and Paisley took over and Paisley just went full turbo and won three European Cups and what, five league titles in eight years. There's absolutely no need for Bob Paisley to do that, like, but he did it anyway. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what you want. And I don't want, I don't, like, if it was me, I wouldn't want just the, the quick fix. And I don't think, the more I think about it, and even today, even the more I think about it today, and I was thinking about it, I was driving over to get my hair cut and I was driving back before I did this. Getting Rannick in now and then not going for Potch and getting Ten Hag in, I think it's the one. I think that's the goer for United. I really do think that's the one they have to pursue. And again, Poochie Pooch Pooch is getting left with no Man United job and I'm starting to feel for him. Like. Do you think Do you think Potch has been overhyped 
in a way as a manager. Like I know I blew this trumpet while he was at Tottenham and said he's completely overrated. He's overachieving with this team. And, you know, he's went to PSG. He's only won the French Cup, if I'm correct. Yeah. He hasn't won the league. Massive pressure to win Champions League with the team they have. But uh, it's a great team of individuals. And, you know, we chatted about their big personalities at Manchester United as well. He likes Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba. Um, I don't know if Poch can really handle those types of personalities, you know. Um, Messi, Neymar and Mbappe run PSG. It's quite obvious. It's not Poch. And would he be able to cope with dealing with Cristiano Ronaldo? You know, probably the biggest drama queen in football besides Neymar. So, I... <laughs> I think you're right. I think that probably is the smarter move and avoiding Poch. Poch will probably end up back at Tottenham. No joke, he probably will. I know he's flirted with them before by potentially coming back. So, it, 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 you know what? It sounds too good to be true that Manchester United are actually being smart. And Steve probably agrees. <laughs> you know, like It's not like them to do anything that's sensible. But, you know, there's only so much fucking up you can do before you actually have to start being sensible. It's like when you're young yeah. and growing up and you're doing stupid shit and then you get a bit older, a bit more mature and like, oh, I fuck, I do need to start fucking sorting my life out. Like that's what Manchester United at the stage they seem to be at. Um, a lot of dead wood there as well probably needs to go. You know, need to keep it, uh, probably a bit of a rehaul of the squad. They don't need to do a complete rehaul. Like the no. Greenwood there and Rashford and there's a lot of good players there. Like Van der Beek, I think it's kind of poetic how he scored all these last, you know, goal. Yeah. Um, like he's he's a great player. I think it's, it's oh, just super been, it's a complete waste. And I under yeah. Ten Hag, imagine him back under Ten Hag again. Yeah. I I I think I think they have a basis there. Actually, I would argue that they would have a basis for Ten Hag to start. Pardon me, and start quite well because they're about to get six months of it mm-hmm. under Ranić. Now, the elephant in the room. Is a very large, waxed Portuguese number seven, um, because both Ranić and Ten Hag would like their main man up front to do a little bit of press. Now, can you give that allowance? Because it's Ronaldo, and he, he he is still a clever, clever footballer, obviously, um, and he is he'll he'll still score goals. But it'd be interesting if I would like to see. I spoke to. Uh, our beloved listener raised about this today. I'd like to see if it was United um, a front three of Rashford, Sancho, and Greenwood. I think under the right coaching, that is absolutely devastating potentially. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily like to see it, but if it was a United fan, that's what I'd like to see. Um, and then it is the midfield. You look at like where do you go from here? Like who who would they want to be bringing it? You'd obviously have to bring in reinforcements. Think it's the main one there. Paul Pogba could be dust. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah, be. it's interesting. And and with Poch, like I don't know, like I I do read Poch. I I do read him. I think he's a brilliant manager. Um, this ten this Ranić thing just came out of left field. I wasn't really that aware that they were pursuing him that heavily, and it came out of left field, and it's made me think of Ten Hag. But Poch, I do think he's a great manager. I just think he should never took the PSG job. Um, I, th- I think it's a poison chalice as well. While and still have all those superstars there at PSG, you're not hiding enough. And like you saw them last night, the front three couldn't be bothered helping out the team. 
and you're so what are you gonna do? Eight men against eleven or eight, or eight whatever it is, eight against ten outfield players, you're goose then, or seven against ten, you're goose then. Mm-hmm. So um quick maths with me there. So I think uh there's something just with Potch that and I said at the start of the show, I don't think like Fenger didn't need a Champions League for his legacy, but Fenger had implemented a, a certain playing style that was his own, and he had Arsenal playing such beautiful football, and they'd won league titles. Whereas, and this is a wee bit hypocritical, Potch, Potch needs to, oh, he's obviously going to win league on this year, which is grand, but it's, it's like, does it matter, like, in the scale of things in, in world football? Will, will anybody look at that and go, well, he won the league, league on? With PSG, and yeah. think, oh, he's obviously, you know, it won't. So he almost has to win the Champions League to get any, you know, gratitude, any like applause and gratitude or whatever, which is never a good place to start. No, and nobody wants him doing it, and nobody wants. No, nobody wants him doing it. So I think not. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think Poch. If they go with Poch, I think it's a great move too. I think it would work out well. Be interesting to see what he would do, as you said, with Lex Ronaldo. Because of the way obviously Neymar and, and Mbappe and, and Messi are and and, and where they you know like command such status and then obviously you have Ronaldo in in it but uh, yeah I feel sorry for him now but if it was if I was in charge of Manchester United I would have in place Eric Ten Hag and I think that could because he could end up that Ajax side are one of the best teams in Europe at the minute they are flying nobody will want them in the Champions League knockout stages. And if he sit, imagine he wins the Champions League with him. Yeah, it will be it will be nice to see a team like Ajax win it again. Oh yeah, in, in I want I want Ajax or Porto or Sporting, someone, someone like that to win it. If Liverpool don't win it, I want someone like that to win it. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's just United, as you said, doing something good and positive just feels a bit icky because you're not used to them. So you're still waiting on them fucking it up somehow. So the thing they'll do is, we well, what might happen is Ranić does quite well, and then they give him a two year deal, and then after like a year they're like, fuck, and Ralph's like, I didn't want to be manager, and then they're back to square one. And yeah, they get we'll an extended contract. Yeah, an extended contract yeah. to finish off the show, Jonathan. I asked you to think about something today. Offer your favorite goal scored in club football that wasn't by the Arsenal that you celebrated. One that comes to mind. One that comes to mind. Yeah. You know what? There's two. Um and they're both in the same game. Go on. Um the twenty nineteen Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> I celebrate those goals like Arsenal scored down goals. <laughs> Mo Salah and Divac Origi. I did. Even the like the Divac Origi goal. I think I don't know. It's probably because of the way the camera caught the goal, but he scored the goal, and then you can just see the Liverpool fans in the background just going absolutely berserk when that goal hits the back of the net. And I was on my holly bobs in County Kerry, and I fucking went berserk in my hotel room, absolutely berserk. And Teresa stopped talking to me for about five months, but it was fine afterwards. It was I, so worth it. I was watching that uh, with the middle wrench of brother Andrew and uh, my wife, uh, and an ex of Andrew's, but anyway, and um, in, in Andrew's oh. house, and Andrew's mum was there, and 
that going then and I just sunk to my knees because we'd won it like and we'd, we'd, we'd won number six and it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Mine uh, might cause a bit of a ruckus here in in, in the babble. So I, I don't know why this came into my head today and this is why I asked you the question. I don't know what happened. What happened came into my head today. NES's goal against Chelsea uh, in the semi-final <laughs> of the Champions League. So I was at university in Liverpool. As a university in Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool and Chelsea, such a rivalry. Chelsea had knocked us out. Uh, such a huge rivalry. And we were going out that night. It was the end of second year. And we were going out that night. And I was living with a fella at the time. One of the lads was uh, living with us was um, a Chelsea fan. And... Uh, He'd been giving me stick all day and blah, blah, blah. And I was hoping Barcelona were going to win. I was actually wearing Barcelona boxers because my mum had bought me them randomly when she was in Barcelona. Um, so anyway, we were out in Liverpool and I walked into this bar at the top of, I can't remember, Har- I think it's Hard Street or Dale Street, maybe Dale Street. can't remember the name of it, but it's at the top of it anyway. Walked into this bar on the screen was the match. And we had gone down, we had literally bounced out when it was one-all and run across town to try and watch the end of this match. And it was one-all, really, really tense, really, really tense. And everyone in the bar, apart from this Chelsea fan, was obviously wanting Barcelona to win. And then he has to scores. And the place erupts. Do you know like those scenes you saw during the Euros and the World Cup in front of the big screens where just the beer went everywhere? Yeah. It was, it was one of those. It just... <laughs> Like a beer explosion. Mm-hmm. The place went insane. I had an outer body experience. I was roaring. And he, God love him, the, the fella, like walked out because Chelsea had obviously just been put out in the Champions League semi final. And he'd walked out and um, he was not he was not happy. And he'd, he'd walked out anyway and he was down the road a wee bit because he needed to clear his head. But I stayed in the bar for like 45 minutes drinking with random scousers, just loving life. But I'll just never forget it. Like I just, the the euphoria I felt, <laughs> sorry, Brenton, the euphoria I felt that goal going in because as well as that, that said fella that I was telling you about was also um, when, when Liverpool lost the Champions League final to AC Milan, him and his girlfriend at the time phoned me because we were friends in school. Phoned me, laughed down the phone. You know, as mates do sometimes. Mates do sometimes. <laughs> That's a cruel though. Yeah, because we, we had we had beat them in the in the penalties in the semi final that year. Dirk Coach going the winner, and he watched it with me and my dad. I mean, my dad obviously celebrated, just won it. We weren't being idiots like we'd celebrate. So we, it felt that he had the need to do that. So we laughed anyway. And I never, I didn't forget that. And obviously. Um, two years later, when we're at university, either sec- that two years or a year. Anyway, when we're at university, I think it was the year later we were at university, and that happens. And let me tell you, sir, I fully, fully enjoyed that moment. No, well, you know what? When we, when we were playing five sides, then he did, and we were playing five sides in uh, power league on a Sunday night. I would call myself Iniesta if I was going to score, <laughs> and I used to hate it, like, and I kept that up for a while. Um, Do you know so, what? Yeah. That that would probably annoy Brenton more if they hadn't went on and won the Champions League probably a few years later, which yeah. they did, and beat Barcelona on the way to winning that, so probably got yeah. the revenge in a way. Um, yeah. Just just quickly before we do finish, though, um, I kind of had a lot of time to think over the month about football and stuff, and 
to be quite honest, I just came to the decision that I'm not going to watch the World Cup in Qatar next year. Definitely. Okay, man. No way. Like, and people can say, oh, well, you fucking put diesel in your car and whatever. Like, you know, fuck off. <laughs> I am not. I am not watching it. I'm just not. Like, no way. You see, when you read about what's going on over there in terms it's of tough. the World Cup, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. It's, I don't know what stage I'm at. I don't know. I could go, I could go that way myself. Um, it's, it's tough. It's grim. It's very grim. It's grim. And like, but I'm a hypocrite because I watched the Qatar Grand Prix this See, weekend. The thing, and obviously you're in the Formula One. I'm not, but so many people are in the Formula One. I, I just what, don't get it. What, Watch Try to Survive on Netflix and you'll be into it. I don't know. Like, I used to watch it when I was, my dad used to watch it on a Sunday when I was younger, you know, making Sunday dinner and stuff because of Schumacher and things like that. But, like, all I keep hearing is Lewis Hamilton is the best ever. So, like, I've, I have no clue about Formula One here. So, just so you know. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's very odd to me. Like, obviously, more and more people I know now have started to watch Formula One. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just somebody driving cars. But, Whatever, whatever people are into, like I don't judge. Whatever floats their boat, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, screw guitar. I'm not watching it. Like I don't know if you've noticed on TV recently, um, they've started putting out these adverts. You know, visit guitar and do this stuff in guitar. Yeah. I've just started to notice that more and more. It's quite funny how all that stuff start starting to come out in the lead up to our World Cup next year. But it's a no for me. Sorry, um, they're not getting through to the next round. I'm giving them a big red axe. Um, can't can't have it. Can't have it. I'm sorry. It's just it's wrong. And you know what? You you and um Steve done a Thursday pod two weeks ago, which was absolutely top class, top quality. By the way, if anybody hasn't Thank listened to that much, podcast, sir. you should should go back and listen to it. Um, and you said a lot of things in that podcast which I relate to. Like you said, you talk in the car to yourself on the way home, even about what you're going to say in podcast. I do that too. Like I chat to myself, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> like, the best. It's just um, in a way, it just clears your head as well. Um, and even like doing these pods help clear your head about things. Like I joined this podcast like nearly three years ago now. Um, so you did. Crazy to think like it's been three years. And I suppose people that listen to this podcast or whatever don't really understand kind of the work that goes on behind the scenes. Like especially like Brenton, like Brenton does so much like in terms of the social media and editing the stuff like you do this one on thursday night but he does the one on monday he's done all the video streams and things like that and like you know people don't understand the sort of stuff that that you lads do and you know you just probably don't get the recognition that maybe you should get like but it's all great work and joining this podcast definitely helped me at a time which was very tough for our family um which you know about obviously and you know what i actually yeah, I remember the time. I remember you actually coming up and saying to me at the time, come on the pod anytime. And I think it was the week or two afterwards, that's when I came on and done the... When we done at the time was the live videos on Facebook. Um, that's right. That's, that's right. That, that's where we were, and this is where we are now. And, like, you can see the growth. Like, I know we're not sacking captains or whatever, but, you know... Not yet. That's where, that's where we want to go to. And, like, you know, we have Steve on now, who obviously has added that extra dimension to this podcast and he's just you're just wild Steve to be quite honest some of the stuff you say you should be locked up for like to be quite honest like I thought I was bad <laughs> but yeah Steve Steve's brought to all level Paddy's been fantastic as well um, me and Paddy are like the invisible men sometimes in this podcast we have barely been on it the last while but obviously 
Pat has his own thing going on, but even the the research, you know, Pat does like some of the stuff he ta- chats about on the pod. You know, he's he's done his done his homework. So yeah, rate us good, rate us on all your social medias, <laughs> and give the boys the credit they deserve because they do great work on this podcast. And when we're living in our golden mansions, we will remember the people like Rezo who supported us the whole way through. So up the sports babble. You don't <laughs> don't. Don't you dare, Brandon or Phil. Don't you dare bleep that out. All right. Do not bleep that out. I swear I to God. And you know what, folks? He was not. He was not prompted for this. This is not a prompt. I did not prompt Johnny to do this. He. This is all straight from the heart. Um, and yeah, no. Look, like anyone that listens and or new listeners, if you're a new listener tonight, thanks for listening. This is. We are a small independent podcast, but we dream very big. And with Brandon, like. If you haven't had a chance, we we videoed Monday night show to see how we would get on, and we might do that going forward. I'd like to help out, so Brenton's not always doing the editing, but um, Brenton did brilliant clips on it, and we we let Steve have a therapy session. And, and this is why I tell people if you're thinking about doing a podcast or you want to do, come on and talk, chat to us in this one, do like this is my therapy. Like this, I use this as a therapy. Like we like I will talk about things that are going on outside of football in Liverpool because and I'll talk to myself on the way home to prep myself for it because I know as soon as I do it then I feel better. I, I knew I knew not to, to sound all dicky like but I knew it would help you when the family we were all going through something horrendous. I knew it would help. So that's why and you're still here, you're still chatting, still talking shit about the Arsenal. Every sentence out of your mouth is related to Spurs, which I totally have so much respect for. I wish I hated someone as much as you hate Spurs. And I hope someone hates me <laughs> as much as you hate Spurs because hatred is good. Um, well, there's some Spanish guy that hates us on Twitter. Oh, yes, there is. is nice. Right. I was nice. We, we had our first hater. I was like, this is great. We're yeah. actually annoying someone. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. And, and he's Spanish too, so we're annoying people across the continent. <laughs> uh, That's exactly what you want. Um, so, yeah, I, I would always write. If anyone says, oh, why do you do a podcast? I say to them, I do it for therapy because, <laughs> like, it, 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 that's why I do it and chat about chat dong about football. And, but yeah, so hopefully we'll have more guests coming on. We'll have more stuff lined up going forward. I'll learn to record podcasts better, which would be nice. Um, and yes, yeah, so we, we will be back on Monday night with a usual show. Hopefully, all maybe Patty as well. All of us can get on and get chatting about what's going on at the weekend. Um, and then myself and Johnny will be back next week with a TNB because God knows what will happen. There's there's midweek football next week. Actually, you're playing. You're right. You're playing United. Yeah, oh, we are. Is that on, oh. I think that's on Thursday. Oh God. Oh God. That, that might not be a good podcast. <laughs> live reactions. Me and Johnny are also going to do a live show, and we're going to drink tins <laughs> against us as well, folks. That is in the plans as well. So stay tuned for that. Um. As always, catch all of our stuff across your social media channels, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Football Bubble Pod. Catch us on any of your podcast networks, uh, all of them, any of your podcast apps, we're on it. Uh, just look for Football Bubble Pod. And Johnny, the Patreon link is? Patreon.com forward slash the sports bubble. Patreon.com forward slash football bubble. Thank you. Folks, chat these again during the week. Enjoy the football. At the weekend, I hope your team. Uh, well, I'm not gonna lie, unless you're a pretty fan, I hope your team gets chinned. 
That's the way I am. <laughs> I understand. Uh, I hope I hope all your teams get shown this weekend, yeah. so I can I just hope, destroy you all on Monday. Night. I hope Chelsea United draw nine all, and there's twenty two injuries. And everyone, peace out and good luck.